0: Welcome to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White and Dr. Andre Howard. This is your forum for exploring and discussing challenges that are faced by public and nonprofit leaders. And now, Leadership Matters.
1: Good afternoon, and thank you for tuning in to Leadership Matters, informing leaders, inspiring solutions. I'm Cheryl White, and I am delighted to be um, having a conversation today with Kim Desmond, Chief Race and Equity Officer for the City of San Diego. We're gonna be talking about advancing equity in the workplace and community. Kim, welcome. Thank you for having me, Dr. White. Yeah, my absolute pleasure. Why don't we start with just having you share a little bit about yourself.
2: You know, that's always one of my favorite questions and it's actually shifted over the years. I now start by, of course, my name, but also start out by saying I'm the granddaughter of Annie Reeves and the daughter of um, Sandra Desmond. And I like to introduce myself by saying that my purpose is to do equity and anti-racism work. So those are just things that I start with.
1: Mm -hmm. Wonderful. I'll congratulate you also on being named one of the top 50 2022 Black leaders of influence in San Diego. How did it feel to receive that honor? You know, I'm actually a really shy person.
2: Um, folks who folks are usually <laughs> surprised. They're usually surprised by that because I actually forced myself to be an extrovert, and so definitely humbled and thanks to Donna and the. Uh, chamber and just the whole acknowledgement was like i wasn't expecting it mm-hmm. it definitely puts a little bit of like um pressure on to <laughs> actually fulfill the 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 promise around what does it mean to be influential and so i'm looking forward more than anything to just getting into the work and so i'm not one for um those types of public things which i got to get better at because i'm usually terrible at like acknowledging stuff but definitely it was good to be able to get the nod and to, be acknowledged in this new role.
1: Wonderful. So speaking of the new role and just the whole body of work around race and equity, could you share a little bit about your connection to this body of work and why it's important to you?
2: Well, I'll, maybe I'll start with the why. I can't say that I started my career or out seeking to do anti-racist work, equity work, in local government. Like, that was not my plan, to be honest with you. <laughs> I will say that, like, throughout my career, although it may have been called different things, I've always most certainly been committed to addressing um, disparities, or poignantly, disparities that impact people of color. And so I really wanted to be a part of changing systems and structures, and so I've done a lot of work in. Quasi-government nonprofit, and really wanted to be a part of, like, looking at the systems that impact generations of families in terms of wealth and um, equity and spaces and places. And so, I would say that that really is what drove me to the work is really being a part of addressing disparities, and also being a black woman. Mm-hmm. I think um, you, I, I, the world interacts with me based on who I am and my layers of diversity, and so. Definitely know what it feels like personally and have witnessed and been a part of seeing a lot of disparities generationally in my own family. And so that really just set the chart to say, I want to be a part of addressing systems that create
1: disparities. Mm -hmm. And if we double clicked on that with regards to your observations and experiencing it in your family or your own life, what might be a double click on that?
2: Uh, The double click, wow. Mm -hmm. It's a story of, I will say purposely I must say one in which where systems make people invisible. Mm -hmm. And invisible in a sense to where the acknowledgement of the humanity of folks is not always seen in terms of the impact of what it means to grow up in a country that's um, built on principles of systemic racism. Systemic racism it makes folks invisible, and so I would say for my family I witness what it means to looked that in your, your for your humanity to not be seen, mm-hmm. and then for your health needs, for your educational needs, for your safety needs to not always be something that's prioritized, and so definitely I've seen some of those disparities in my own personal family, and so just seeing the way in which systemic racism has a way of not prioritizing the humanity of people of color was Mm -hmm. one reason why I wanted to be a part of something to say, and we gotta make this visible. Mm -hmm. So we can actually look at ways to address the things that are not creating humanitarian conditions for folks in our society. Mm
1: -hmm. And so that notion of not being seen, we're gonna pull that thread a little more when we talk about your charge. Um, I think that's, uh, a very important piece to kind of impact with regards to this work. Uh, before we dive deep and in, in we go there, I'm just going to ask you to share a little bit about you know, what are you most proud of? When you think about your life or your career accomplishments, what would you be, let's say, are your proudest proudest? You know, as I as I get more
2: experience in just my own life, like, there are small things that I've become proud of. Like, seeing folks in my family, like the younger generations, just make it to their 20s, right? And so just seeing, like, uh, my brother was actually murdered at a young age, and so being able to see my nephew reach the age of 20, that's, like, something that I was proud of. And so, like, I, I look at, like, I'm just proud of, for me, just being a part of seeing that at this point in history, there is a movement towards addressing disparities. So I'm proud of that, like being a part of a, a modern day movement. I'm proud of just seeing my family still be able to gather with each other, laugh and joke and spend time and continually come Compile um, experiences. So there's different ways that I'm different things I'm proud of. I would say, most certainly, family and friends. And but also in the work setting, it's being proud of um, being a part of history and that this is the first office that's charged with doing rich and equity work. So I'm I'm proud of that. I'm proud that I get to be a part of history, something that's bigger than myself. Like that gives me a source of pride and even integrity. And just that's that's a huge thing for me.
1: Mm -hmm. You know, it hits me when you say, just the whole thought about losing your brother at a young age and the impact that such a thing can have. And so to say that um, that someone has to have experienced that and that people experience that. And that for some, that's like a normal part of their community that this happens. And the others it's like, wow, you know, it's not so normalized. Um, that in and of itself just kind of creates a dichotomy of of how we exist in the communities.
2: It most certainly does, and I think you hit the you you hit a a point where you're spot on with not everyone has to experience the type of trauma that comes with the intersection of being um, poor and black in this country, mm-hmm. and what that brings to you. Mm -hmm. And so it does bring a level of being exposed to, you know, health disparities, being exposed to environments that have um, things that are happening that is connected to like lateral violence. And I say that purposely in terms of like what happens in conditions where you see folks living in um, environments that are not conducive to having your basic needs met. And so not everyone has to think about that. Early on, and how that really forms your identity, your belief system is another thing that comes with being seen. I would say being seen in the ways in which this is a part of your belief systems and values that are like really formed as a result of seeing the things that you see growing up being African American woman born in poverty in this country.
1: So, belief systems and values formed, I can't let that just hang there without pushing a little bit to say more about that for yourself? How that impacted your belief systems and values?
2: Yeah, I would say based on where I was born, it was like a collection of folks. And so it was a very we-centric neighborhood where everyone collectively looked after each other, like the neighbors cared about the neighbors. And so I think when you're born in an environment where there's scarcity, you find ways to leverage connection and to share resources. And so that was a part of my belief system, I would say, that it really came from just really valuing the connection in the fabric of how people can come together to build this tapestry of needs. And so that, I would say, really, really formulated my value system to where you have cousins who live with, siblings who live with aunts and uncles who live with grandparents who the neighbors looking after them. And so that really formulated my identity early on where it made me really value the we and the ways in which we struggle collectively. And it gave you a sense of community responsibility and cohesion, I would say as well. And so those things are part of my belief in value systems, just living in that unique ecology
1: of folks. Mm -hmm. community responsibility say more
2: I would say responsible for each other
1: Mm
2: -hmm. and responsible in a way where it's not authoritarian it's responsible Mm -hmm. in a way to where it's like I care about you Mm -hmm. So I think there's a responsibility to say I care about your humanity I care about if you don't have something and I have it if Mm -hmm. I don't have it and you have it then you have it Mm -hmm. and so Mm -hmm. that I would say responsibility to say your humanity is connected and tethered to my humanity and there's a symbiotic nature between the collective humanity of people in spaces to where you have to share resources. And so I would say that is more of the responsibility piece is that I'm responsible for collectively uniting my humanity. Your needs are my needs. My needs are your needs.
1: Mm-hmm. Wonderful. I appreciate your um, elaborating on that and sharing that. We're going to uh, need to take a commercial break, but when we come back, I'm going to ask you just to share more about um, how you would frame the charge that you've been given as chief race and equity officer with the city of San Diego, and we'll also ask you um, to elaborate on why race is called out, like why in your title do we, you have race as opposed to just a general focus on equity so please stay with us and we'll be right back with more on leadership matters informing leaders inspiring solutions
0: when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network Leadership Matters is brought to you by Innovisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact Innovisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 619-453-8093. That's 619-453-8093. Or send an email to Dr. White. Her email address is swite at neighborhoodhouse.org. Innovisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission to enrich lives through a continuum of education and wellness service.
1: Today, expertise equals credibility. When you know what to do and how to do it, people follow because they acknowledge that you know more. However, stepping up in your career eventually pushes you out of your comfort zone of expertise. How you lead at those moments requires new skills. We're here to show you how to survive and thrive. Join me, Wanda Wallace, on Out of the Comfort Zone at Voice America Business Channel. You can find more information at Leadership Forum INC
0: It's time to take charge of your own career path, but how do you get started? From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White and Dr. Andre Howard. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1 866 472 5790. That's one 472 5790 Or send an email to Dr. Cheryl White at at neighborhoodhouse.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters.
1: And we are back with more on Leadership Matters. I'm Cheryl White, and a lot of be having this conversation today about advancing equity in the workplace and in the community with Kim Desmond, Chief Race and Equity Officer, for the city of San Diego. Now, before we went to break, I told you I was gonna throw you this ball, in case someone has joined us in between. I'm gonna go on and restate uh, where I'd like to see us go in this conversation. That is, love to have you frame for us your charge. You know, How would you frame the charge that you've been given as a Chief Race and Equity Officer for the city of San Diego? And as an added piece of that, you know, why is race? Called out um, separately in your title, as opposed to just simply being equity officer. Well, you set that pass up well
2: with throwing the ball. I'm a former athlete, so we said throw the ball, <laughs> I'm like, throw the throw it up there. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna catch it. Yeah. Um, I will say starting with the why, lead with race, and then connect equity, mm-hmm. and that is very intentional. And would like to be very specific around with this office, it's always a race in conversation. Our identities are very complex. And so you have a race, ethnicity, and these are all social constructions,
0: mm-hmm. right?
2: Literally someone created categories of race and ethnicity. That is a person-made construct. So mm-hmm. when I speak about this topic, it's that our identities are complex and nuanced where me, for example, I'm, I'm Black, I'm a woman, um, the age that I am, right, I'm say my age. And so <laughs> these are things that like leading with race is really about leading with talking about systemic racism. So leading with race is about a conversation around the ways in which systems interact with people of color in this country and the way in which the systems have um, cascading um, racial disparities in education, employment, in housing, in environmental areas. And so when you lead with race and you connect equity, it's about addressing disparities. Mm -hmm. Now, to be more poignant, it's important to say that to lead with race doesn't mean that you other and leave out any racial-ethnic intersection of diversity. It's just saying we're taking a clear focus on addressing systemic disparities. Mm-hmm. It's hard to say that when you're just like talking about work in government. And so instead of just saying we're talking about systemic disparities in government and what that means, race and equity. Mm-hmm. Because then it forces me when I work with our departments to say to get to equality, you have to to get to equity, you have to go through equality. Mm-hmm. And you have to look at addressing disparities. And so leading with race and equity is very um, purposeful because you really want to get to addressing racial disparities in systems that generationally have impacted folks since the inception of this country.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. And when you look at your charge in the um, in view of that, what would you say your charge is to do?
2: You know, I, I, I've thought a lot about that as I've relocated to um, California and next to coastal spaces And that my charge is that I'm a water carrier. There are many um, folks before me, many of my ancestors who've done this work, and I'm a part of that trajectory And that my charge right now is to continually carry the water and to continually look at ways that we can be responsible for addressing policies, practices, and investments that can literally um, eliminate and decrease racial disparities. So mm-hmm. my charge is just that: is to normalize conversations around. We can't solve for what we don't name. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: It's like fighting. It's like fighting something invisible, right? You got to mm-hmm. name it. You got to talk about it. You got to identify it. So mm-hmm. my charge is to. We yeah. have over um, eleven thousand city employees. So mm-hmm. for us to really solve some of the disparities, I got to help folks name it. When we name it, then we have to strategize around what is our plan to address the disparities. And so my charge is to name it and then put a plan together to address it And then look at ways that we can measure the ways in which we have changed the disparities that we see here in the city of San Diego. So my charge is all of those things, as well as making sure that our employees feel included and valued. Mm-hmm. like folks forget that city employees are their servants of the people like we, we're human people in these positions mm-hmm. we have family we need rest and so i want to make sure that our employees also feel as if they are understood and valued and included in their own workforce and so the the, the ways in which i chart out this journey is that it's both in It's about our employees, but it's also about who we serve, which is everybody in San Diego to address
1: disparities. Mm -hmm. And let's um, double click on the word disparities and then systemic disparities. Talk to me a little bit about that. So
2: this is the way in which I I talk about this topic because there most certainly is a lot of debate. And I would be remiss if I didn't... um, the, the time that we're sitting in right now, even on this um, show, and that we're sitting through and watching the Supreme Court nominee, Judge Brown Jackson. And this conversation is coming up around like disparities. How do you talk about, or she's you talk about anti-racism? She's you talk about critical race theory? All these things are coming up. And so the way that I talk about disparities in systems is that there are disparities in areas that really are detrimental to people of color in terms of where you live at health. COVID actually shows that, right? Mm -hmm. Um, African-American and Latino folks have higher rates of COVID, higher rates of death. So when I talk about disparities in systems, healthcare, for example, is a system. Mm -hmm. And so when you look at COVID, you, you see it playing out. Like we saw large numbers of disparingly that were disparity. Who is the disparity impacting? Now, I wanna be very clear that there are disparities in this city that our white folks are experiencing. If you are an unhoused um, white person in our city, you are experiencing levels of disparities in your housing context, right? And so anyone can experience disparities. Anyone can experience inequity. The difference is not everyone experiences or impacted by systemic racism in the same way. So I I like to tether those things out to say that no one in our city should be concerned about encountering disparities. So you can do both and you can address disparities that impact our our, our white folks in our city and also the overlap of systemic racism that has um, impacted people of color around disparities in different systems, whether it be health, education, infrastructure is another one. Mm-hmm. like we have looking at a lot of that procurement and contracting is another one. Like mm-hmm. these are all things where you see disparities. and most certainly see that mm-hmm. uh, people of color don't have the same equitable outcomes. Mm-hmm. So you have to be clear about that.
1: Mm-hmm. So um, for those who may be listening and they're like, Hmm, systemic racism, say more. What would you say? I would say it's,
2: it's, it's definitions of it. And so there's, systemic racism, there's institutional racism and I honestly think that in my experience with doing this type of training is that when people hear the word racism they get nervous Mm -hmm. and they think that individually I'm doing something to you. I didn't call you out of your name, I didn't do something that was explicit with a sign or a word. Systemic and institutional racism are things that impact everyone and they, they are living in our systems in the disparities and so I would say when I talk about systemic racism, I like to talk about it in terms of like institutional racism and systemic racism. These are the accumulation of despairing outcomes that have impacted people for generations. And so you got to be clear about like the system could be hospital, it could be government. And then you look at like pervasively what is the disparity that is um, impacting people of color, like the example of health that I provided. So. Mm-hmm it's about really pointing to where I'm not calling you individually, interpersonally mm-hmm. racist. I'm saying that this system has disparities in it. And that is something that's very factual.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Every system in this country, including home ownership rates, mm-hmm. have disparities in it. Mm-hmm. Our criminal justice system, our it, disparities in it.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: We're sitting today and we're thinking about the first black woman to sit on the highest court in the land. Mm-hmm. Like these are all examples of in this country, there are systemic pervasive racial ethnic gaps in representation, mm-hmm. but also in access and mm-hmm. opportunity. And so when I say systemic and racism, I'm talking about the outcomes that mm-hmm. we see
1: mm-hmm. that are not equal. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna triple click on it for a moment. <laughs> and my triple click is going to be um, what creates the systems? What goes into the systems, you know? Um, mm-hmm. As you separate it out, the interpersonal is not so much, obviously that's a part of it, but you want to, you are digging down with regards to like, what set up these systems and what's driving these systems?
2: Well, in this country, in America, mm-hmm. the, 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 the In the fabric of the founding of this country, it was written into the way in which we function in government. Mm -hmm. And so when you talk about like what, who, the whom, is the country was founded on economic exploitation of our indigenous, Mm -hmm. native, and black folks, right? People of color. Like that's the founding of the country. It was was founded on economic exploitation and extraction. Mm -hmm. And so when you think about who's leading what, you think about like, Anyone can work in the system and unintentionally perpetuate mm-hmm. what's already working. The system's mm-hmm. not broken, it's broken the exact way it was designed. Mm-hmm. It was not designed to produce equity. Mm-hmm. It was designed to produce disparities. And so mm-hmm.
1: in my position, we gotta go in to
2: redesign what that means. We have to redesign the structure and the apparatus of a system that was built on extraction and exploitation. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. So, so we're looking at legislation. We're looking at policies. We're looking at practices that came out of those policies. Okay. Yeah. Culture. Culture mm-hmm. as well.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: The norms. Okay. Yeah. Lot, um, very deep um, pieces to think about with regards to how, you know, laws and how policy and how Um, SOPs (laughs) all keep in place uh, these practices that create these disparities and how people when they step into these systems will tend to just uh, it sounds like automatically perpetuate these things without necessarily examining these things to see if um, equity results from what's been established so hmm um, so, it looks like we're going to need to do another break, but when we come back from the break, you know, you've talked about this thought with regards to um, really this this work internal to the organization, external in the community. How do you wrap your thoughts around this? What are your thoughts with regards to how you're going to make progress achieving this charge? So. Okay, so I'll look forward to hearing more on that. Please stay with us, and we'll be right back with more on Leadership Matters. Informing leaders, inspiring solutions.
0: Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Leadership Matters is brought to you by Innovisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact Innovisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 619-453-8093. That's 619-453-8093. Or send an email to Dr. White. Her email address is swite at neighborhoodhouse.org. Innovisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission to enrich lives through a continuum of education and wellness service. The pace of change in the world is increasing exponentially and shows no signs of slowing down. Leadership is evolving and requires more and more innovative leaders to keep up. Innovating Leadership, co-creating our future with Maureen Metcalf, features interviews with global business leaders, thought leaders, and academics in a wide range of industries. Proven concepts and tools may be applied to build your organization and deliver sustainable success. Tune in every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Business. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White and Dr. Andre Howard. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. Or send an email to Dr. Cheryl White at swite at neighborhoodhouse.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters. Thank
1: you for tuning in to Leadership Matters. I am Cheryl White and delighted to be having a conversation with Kim Desmond, Chief Race and Equity Officer for the City of San Diego on advancing equity in the workplace and community. So before we uh, went to break, i said when we came back, we would talk a little bit about whew, this um, huge charge that you have been um, given and how you just general thoughts on your thoughts on how you might go about making progress in achieving uh, the charge.
2: Yes, and progress progress is always ongoing. And I've I've told I think I'm a little bit more at this point in my career. This is the second city that I've done this work in. So now I'm a, I've got a good job. Like I kind of I, I kind of know what to expect.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Progress is continual. And so I tell folks, just because we have a whole new office on race and equity and Mayor Gloria hired me to oversee the office, doesn't mean that the work of systemic racism will be done. Like Mayor Gloria hired him and the work is done. We're good, we're good. This work is ongoing. This work is generational. This work is it. it it's something that needs to continually be done. And so your question around ways that I, like look at progress, is I try to get my hands around different parts of the system. Mm -hmm. So um, prior to the break, we were talking about that a lot of folks sometimes don't think about what it is that their local government is charged with doing for them. Mm -hmm. Think about, just look outside your window. When you see your streets, Mm -hmm. your water, Mm -hmm. your trash, um, your, your parks, your recreation centers, any kind of service, like these things are being coordinated by local government departments. And so if you're wondering why your, your park, your rec center are in San Diego, apparently this pothole thing is serious. I've never talked (laughs) about potholes and homelessness in my whole life. Mm -hmm. Coastal erosion. (laughs) When you look outside of your house, to chart out a path, these are all things that we call our infrastructure investments as um, city employees. Mm-hmm. And so my my role is to then work with our city engineers, is to work with um, our mayor and our elected officials to say, how do we look at the ways in which you pay your tax dollars mm-hmm. to ensure that everyone in our city has equitable access and equal access to all these things that you enjoy that make your life easier, right? The way you travel. You may live in, um, for example, one part of San Diego and work in another part of San Diego. Mm -hmm. So you are worried perhaps about the connectivity in the street and the access and mobility. And so my job is to come in and work with all of the departments and say, what kind of service are you providing? Mm -hmm. And when I ask that question, then I say, let's define equity. Mm -hmm. Equity then is about, if I ask the question, if Mm -hmm. then, if I say, what service are you providing? If you provide the service, then if there is a disparity, let's talk about that. So my role is to come in and say, if we're going to provide equitable services, then we have to think about the ways that we provide resources. Mm -hmm. A lot of folks talk about equity. It's just that. Equity is about addressing disparities to create an outcome mm-hmm. and to eliminate a disparity. Mm-hmm. And so when I work at the departments and pick the department, like my day is so unique, I could start the meeting out talking about inclusivity and equity in the cannabis industry. Mm-hmm. Then I can leave to talk about equity in environmental justice, right, in terms of tree canopy and. Mm-hmm. Um, air quality right all mm-hmm. the things that come with that so equity looks different but there is a connection to the things like where you live at also where your water is at where your trash is at the tree mm-hmm. canopy and so my job is coming to talk to folks in our departments to say let's take a second mm-hmm. let's look at what your job is mm-hmm. and let's look at ways that we can provide more resources to make sure that things are equitable and the mayor is committed to that mayor gloria is committed to that like mm-hmm. he he talks about the ways in which we gotta be more equitable with our infrastructure decisions. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I enjoy working with the mayor because every day, every conversation, the words equity and making sure that everyone, all of us in our city are thriving, it's just the way that he thinks. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean leaving anybody behind. Equity doesn't mean that you leave someone behind. Mm -hmm. As I started this conversation out with you, a lot of folks hear equity and they feel like it's oppression. And I like to say equity is about collective humanity. Mm-hmm. You should care about what's happening to your neighbor who um, lives in another neighborhood. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean I take something away from you. It means that all of us may need something different. And our role is to figure that out as mm-hmm. the folks who are hired to serve you.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, wonderful. So um, are services accessible and equitable throughout the city? That's, uh, uh, that's a, uh, a profound way of looking at, in a practical way of looking at equity. I know as a parent, now my children are now in their 20s and 30s, um, but I've, I grew up in, in San Diego and came back to San Diego as a young adult and raising my children, I can very distinctly, remember I grew up in um, Southeast San Diego in a community called Emerald Hills and Emerald Hill was a predominantly black community at the time, you know, when I was growing up there. And I distinctly remember um, looking for daycare for my children for after school, looking for supervision for my children for after school in Emerald Hills. And I could not find a program, I had to use individual. Um, that had me be licensed daycare in their homes. And as I researched that more and more and more, I was flabbergasted to find that um, in El Cajon, um, right on the school campus, there was a uh, six to six program. And we did move there, but we also didn't necessarily, after being there for... A couple of years feel like it was the most welcoming environment for a um, african-american family and um, continued to look for a community that would provide services to myself again as a working mother and oddly enough i was working at the city of san diego at that time and i found that scripps ranch had blue ribbon schools and uh, which were you know considered to be good rating schools and they had 66 six programs on campus. Well, Scripps Ranch is a very affluent community. And I it just baffled the heck out of me, whereas this wealthy community can have free before and after school daycare. And I could not find that in the predominantly black community with working parents. And I found myself in carpools, you know, with other mothers and the mothers would be saying, um, <clears throat> you know, their, some of their challenges in getting the school kids to and from were about, you know, uh, frustrations with their hair appointments, frustrations with their nail appointments, uh, frustrations that were very different than in the community I grew up with. Were working parents and our frustrations and trying to need 66 programs. six programs because we tried to get we're trying to get to and from work on time. And they were trying to get to, some of them work on time, but many of them also social events. So just the disparity there was uh, something I witnessed in San Diego. And I ended up moving to Scripps Ranch um, because that was where I could find the daycare, the 6 to 6 program for my children. They had two programs on campus, and I chose one of the programs um, that I felt would provide the best quality um service after school, you know, for my children. But it was frustrating. Um, so certainly when you say uh, equal access to, you know, um, and equitable throughout the city, I can, I lived the need for that experience. So I'm not sure what it looks like now, because again, that was 20, 30 years ago, my kids are much older. But I am glad to see that we have a position where fundamentally you're looking at, are the potholes in our communities (laughs) in this part of town receiving the same attention as they might receive in another uh, town or another area? Or are there other services that one community needs that another community needs? And there's uh, a conversation happening with those departments to get those departments to begin to think about um, this whole notion of equitable access to um, and provision of those services. So I um, I appreciate your body of work and I'm sure you have your plate carved out for you.
2: <laughs> yeah, you labeled something that I think is important. And I, I wanna, for, before I forget, I wanna just shout out um, council member Montgomery Step for her role in her work in um, helping get this office moving. So I think a lot of folks don't know that she was like a as a council um, person in terms of like funding for the office, getting the office moving. Like she played a huge role in this work. And this work is generational work that will outlive um, um, Montgomery Step as well as Mayor Gloria. I just want to just mm-hmm. clarify that. But you just said something I want to just label, which is so Actually, important. I want to
1: pause and say that because I think that that's huge to, to- to give her the credit for that because that was I'm sure a heavy lift for her uh, to help make that happen. So we want to definitely uh, say thank you um, to Councilwoman uh, Montgomery Step for that. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> you, you said something that's important in terms of like everyone has needs. Everyone has frustrations. These are quality driven things. We all need water. We all need food to live. Um, we all get frustrated when there's perhaps too much traffic or let's say, for example, if you don't have a vehicle and you're relying on the trolley, which I took it for my first time, first time recently. Um <laughs> these things are needed we all have needs but when you look at there our needs are different and you just outlined mm-hmm. that like mm-hmm. the needs in La Jolla um, Torrey Hills, Torrey Pines, University City, Del Mar Mesa is those are all needs in district one for that particular area. we have nine council districts, right? Mm-hmm. So the needs in those neighborhoods in district one may be different than the needs that we see for the communities or neighborhoods in mm-hmm. district four, which is Emerald bills and council, all those spaces. Mm-hmm. And so Oak Park. And so we wanna make sure that we're looking at that. There are different needs. And so mm-hmm. you just labeled something where when people ask what equity is, let's talk about your grocery stores.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Food access. Let's talk about yes. your, your, your child care access. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's equity work. You label what the need is, mm-hmm. child care you mentioned, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. access to healthy food. Mm -hmm. access to tree canopy to stop from, it gets intense when you're more inland in District Mm -hmm. 4, it it gets a little warmer out there, right? So Mm -hmm. when you're talking about equity, name what you're talking about, name the childcare, name Mm -hmm. the grocery store. And Mm -hmm. then equity is about saying, what is not happening in the different neighborhood? Mm -hmm. And then you address the disparity. Mm
0: -hmm. It doesn't
2: mean that you stop serving the needs of District 1 in La Jolla, you don't Mm -hmm. stop serving people. Mm -hmm. You're asking a different question. So, Mm -hmm. equity is about asking a different question. And Mm -hmm. that's really what an equity lens is is you're asking different questions. And I'm going to stop there because I think that's important to put a pin in to say equity is about asking different questions around the attachment to the service that we all enjoy Mm -hmm. or need or won't.
1: Wonderful. When we come back, I'm going to ask you to share a question, because I know that there are equity workers out there listening to this and everyone's trying to figure out, how do I do this? And so I I love your naming the needs assessment and the identification of needs and how important that is uh, in this process. So please stay with us. I'm going to go to commercial break, but we'll be right back with more on Leadership Matters, informing leaders, inspiring solutions
0: Leadership Matters is brought to you by Innovisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact Innovisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 619-453-8093. That's 619-453-8093. Or send an email to Dr. White. Her email address is swite at neighborhoodhouse.org. Innovisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission to enrich lives through a continuum of education and wellness service. Small businesses are in trouble, and it didn't just start with COVID-19. From the recession several years ago to the revolution of e-commerce giants more recently, small businesses are getting hit hard and need to come back. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White and Dr. Andre Howard. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to Dr. Cheryl White at swhite at neighborhoodhouse.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters
1: and we are back with more on leadership matters today talking about advancing equity in the workplace and community with our guest kim desmond chief race and equity officer for the city of san diego and kim before we went to break you said something profound and that is you know the equity lens requires asking different questions give us an example
2: yeah, this is literally one of my personal like, you talk about what I want to accomplish when I'm in this position, is to normalize and create an understanding what our 11,000 employees in our workforce around, what is an equity lens? Mm-hmm. You use it all the time. Folks are always saying to me, I'm doing equity work. I'm doing equity lens. And I go, well, what is that? What, what is your equity lens? What is your equity work? So to really put a, a point on that, and I think you said earlier, is it double tap?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Put a double tap on that. <laughs> um, an equity lens is a set of questions that you're asking yourself to critique your practice, your policy, or your budget decisions. An equity lens is not always about you saying, I ask the questions, I have the solutions. The, the, the lens is created for you to look at things differently to dismantle and disrupt inequity, you have to probe it and ask questions and look at it from different viewpoints and perceptions. So classic equity lens questions to like for any practitioner in this space, there's some classic ones Mm -hmm. where even if you don't know, sometimes I'm in conversations where I have no idea how to solve stormwater like they're a road in of the side of a hill. And I don't know how you do that, right? Mm-hmm. But I, I can go in and ask questions. I can say things like a classic equity lens question is, what is going to be the benefit or the impact to your decision? What is the benefit and what is the impact? There's always a benefit to someone, there's always an impact. The question then, if you ask that question, then you say to whom? Who is the benefit who is the impact and then you plug in we're talking about like in my work i talk about council districts which are comprised of a number of neighborhoods Mm -hmm. you then say is there a benefit or an impact to you pause you plug in that neighborhood because in a neighborhood to your example that you said earlier to a neighborhood that has plentiful options around healthy food right, Mm -hmm. then the benefit or impact to adding another healthy food grocer option, what does that look like, right? Mm -hmm. Now to the places to where there are like um, lack of food options for healthy options, where you Mm -hmm. only have um, access to um, food that's not healthy or fresh, Mm -hmm. there is a benefit to adding a healthy option. So an equity lens Mm -hmm. question around the benefit and the impact will help you have a balanced conversation Mm -hmm. around the whom. Mm -hmm. The whom is always important. The whom is a person who lives in the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. That's one equity lens question that literally is one that I Mm asked. The other one is just be clear about where you're doing your work at. Everyone has needs. The needs are different. Equity Mm -hmm. does not mean that you're taking away from the needs in one neighborhood. It means that you're individualizing and you're tailoring your resource allocation. Mm -hmm. You're tailoring Mm -hmm. your budget um, appropriation to a particular space. So you then say, you know, another equity lens question is what neighborhood or what place will this impact? I see the same thing about city employees. How will this change impact our city employee workforce, right? Another equity lens question, a classic one, you could say, what could be the unintended consequence to your decision? Your decision could be a program, a policy, or a budget investment sometimes mm-hmm. there are unintended consequences to things that we do right and mm-hmm. so if you ask yourself is there any unintended consequence to let's say for example when we're doing street pavement the unintended consequence towards doing and filling a pothole is that it may have to close down that road you, you see that Mm -hmm. So the unintended consequence is access to the same street. If you don't have a vehicle and you're used to walking down that pathway, then the unintended consequence is an interruption in your mobility or your, 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 your time, right? The consequence is your time because now you got to walk around the whole thing. Right. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. that's why you ask unintended consequence to your decision, because it allows you then to problem solve and say, if I know there's an unintended consequence, then I need to provide plenty of time and signage. So mm-hmm. that way, if I walk down that street, I now have mitigated or have addressed the unintended consequence. Mm-hmm. So equity work is about identifying the benefit, the burden, identifying mm-hmm. the unintended consequence, and then saying how do I how do I plan for it, right? Mm-hmm. Put the signage up if you know you're gonna close down a road for three days.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm.
2: So those are all things that come with equity lens questions. Mm -hmm. And more importantly, you want to do something about it. It's Mm -hmm. important for you to ask the questions, but the questions have to be paired with uh, ability to fit with with what you're um, discussing as a result of the response to the questions. Mm -hmm. Then you create your action steps. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. And so as you're speaking and as I'm thinking about my own journey in San Diego growing up this beautiful city, um, and I go back to your thoughts earlier with regards to being invisible. How do we increase the visibility in the areas and maybe it's not even an issue anymore, but um, you know, because the thought came to mind with regards to maybe there was access to daycare in these other areas and not in the area where I grew up and where I had taken my family initially to grow up because uh, for some reason, the aches and pains in that need weren't identified and serviced, whereas the aches and pains were identified someplace else, and so they were being serviced. How do the voices, how do the people become, how do the hurts and pains in those communities become um, visible so that the needs can be identified and addressed?
2: Yeah, that's, a, that's an important, powerful question. Because you don't want to tokenize folks. Mm-hmm. And you don't want to assume that because a person doesn't show up for an event, a town hall, a listening session, complete a completed survey, that that means that they relinquish their, their care for something. Mm-hmm. And So let's just start there, right? If, if I don't come to a listening session, that doesn't mean I don't care about my streets, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe mm-hmm. I just can make it that day, right? So. Mm-hmm. Your question is important because it really gets you to say, perhaps we should consider that someone may be having a different experience than I'm having. Mm -hmm. And so it's thinking about that, thinking about like, maybe someone has a different experience with having access to healthy food spaces or childcare spaces. Mm -hmm. And it's about just being conscious and making space for folks to say, I want to hear different stories. Mm -hmm. And in ways that don't tokenize folks, and in ways that don't say, I'm trying to, see through your eyes. It's not about that. It's just about saying that let's give different opportunities for folks to talk about what is frustrating them to what you said earlier Mm -hmm. and what your experiences is. So that way our government can respond accordingly.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So Kim, as we, um, you know, draw too close to the end of this conversation for those that are out there doing this work, what might be your thoughts um, that you might need for them, be it tips to overcoming, stumbling blocks, be it whatever, but throw it to you for just some final thoughts that you think might be important to share. I would say first thought is self-care. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. These kind of positions,
2: like my, my role, folks see me walking in a room and they say, oh, here's the, the, the woman is going to bring out equity to 1.4 billion people in 11,000 employees, <laughs> you hear know that? Mm -hmm. I would say self-care because we can't solve systemic racism in one month, one day, one year, five years. Mm -hmm. It's 2022. It has not been done. Mm -hmm. So I would say Mm -hmm. self-care is number one. Number two, find trusted networks. Like Mm -hmm. this work is about innovation. So find colleagues who you can innovate, share thoughts with. Mm -hmm. I would say be okay with failure. We got to try things. Mm -hmm. To, to look at the complexities uh, that we're looking at, there is no simplistic solution to complex problems that we see, mm-hmm. and so know that. Find you some trusted folks that you can talk to about. Like, hey, what are you doing? Like, I, I always call folks from other cities. Say, hey, what are you doing in this city around mm-hmm. this thing? Mm-hmm. And take care of yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you for all the work you've done, too, um, with your organization. I would be remiss if I didn't if I didn't share that as we come to a closing, to say just thank you for your service and all that you've done with um, Neighborhood Houses. So I just want to just, just give you a shout-out, too, to oh. so that's you know, what you've done.
1: <laughs> well, thank you. It's my pleasure. It's my honor to serve at Neighborhood House, and it's my pleasure to have had this uh, fabulous conversation uh, with you. And uh, I tell you, I echo the self-care. There's no... Uh, Compassion is one of those things that's huge to me. So I always say, be compassionate toward ourselves, and be compassionate toward others. Um, And I love your thought with regards to finding the trusted networks. Um, So important for us to fortify each other. I like to say people learn and grow from interaction with each other. So kind of creating that space for that quality interaction. Mm -hmm. And I, I also, You know, it resonates with regards to be okay with failure, because if we're not okay with failure, sometimes we just simply don't try. If we have to have 100% knowing that it's going to be successful. i got to be okay that I'm going to try this, and it may work, and this is complex stuff, so it just may not. And that, to be okay with that as well. So, again, thank you so much for taking the charge. Yes, uh, for one thanks Mayor Gloria, <laughs> Gloria for hiring me <laughs> yes we appreciate uh, Mayor Gloria as well uh, we appreciate your really truly taking the charge and for taking the time to share with us today and we also want to s- express our appreciation to our listening audience and ask you just to tune in every Wednesday at 2pm Pacific Standard Time or download the podcast at your convenience on demand and again Thank you for tuning in to Leadership Matters, informing leaders, inspiring solutions.
0: Thank you again for tuning in. Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White and Dr. Andre Howard is broadcast live every Wednesday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a wonderful week and make your leadership matter.